Hey everyone, welcome to the Green Scene Podcast. I'm Jeremy Safran. TGSP is the top global cannabis podcast. Everyone has questions and we'll cover the stories that matter and showcase the guests who make a difference. This week on TGSP, it was the state that started it all. We're talking about nearly $190 million in projected tax revenue. Remember, Colorado has an aggressive tax on weeds subject to the state's 2.9% sales tax and an additional 10% sales tax and a 15% excise tax for marijuana retailers. This week, the first revenue projections are in and other states are taking notice. A Colorado marijuana legalization amendment, also known as Amendment 64, was on the November 6, 2012 ballot as an initiated constitutional amendment, where it was approved. And we now turn to Washington state, which on Tuesday will become the second state to allow the legal sale of recreational marijuana. Washington follows Colorado. Today on TGSP, we speak with the man who co-authored Amendment 64. Some call him the industry's de facto spokesperson. Brian Vicente says he first got into the industry because of social justice. I really viewed this from the beginning as, as almost like a social justice cause. You know, you look at the way drug laws are implemented uh, in our country and really around the world, and they're racially biased, biased against poor people, young people. It's almost a degree of you know state control over people's lives that always made me very uncomfortable from the time I was, you know, really even a teenager. And then um, when I entered law school here in, in Denver, you know, I kind of saw law as a, a you know, path towards advocacy or right? being able to change laws you didn't like. But, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to work for a judge and a professor that sort of cultivated my interest in, in uh you know, ending marijuana prohibition, and and then actually, while I was in law school, formed the the nonprofit Sensible Colorado, which which uh, really became the number one patient advocacy group, medical marijuana patient advocacy group in the state, and we use that as a, a platform to really fight for patients' rights as well as for you know regulated medical and and legalization sales. Brian says that the tax revenue since legalization has really helped the state, and that money is finally going into the places where it should be going to. We just hit the $500 million mark in yeah. marijuana taxes and funds of last month, right? That has come in since really 2014. Yeah. So that's a significant amount of tax revenue, which is, if you think about it, it's sort of a revolutionary concept. You know, that money was being spent previously, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it was just going to the hands of the black market and not being taxed. And, and now Colorado is capturing that revenue. It's 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 in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Right, and, right. It, it, and I think it's being apportioned in some really smart ways. You know, a lot of it goes to public school construction, uh, mm -hmm. which obviously everything everyone benefits from. A uh, fair amount goes to uh, oversight of the programs themselves, employing people to do that. We see a fair amount of money go into, uh, you know, public education campaigns about, you know, marijuana is a drug, right? It's not yeah. appropriate for young minds. Yeah. So we need to let people know what their rights are and, and what their uh, what the risks are. It really is just laying out facts for people to make correct decisions with, and I think that's how education should be. Colorado is finally getting through the growing pains, but it wasn't always that easy. We talked to Brian Vicente about the changes that took place pre-legalization from stigma to politics. It was a heavy stigma. I mean, honestly, when I when I told people I was I was uh, looking at pursuing a career in in uh, you know legalizing marijuana or working on drug reform, it was, there was silence. There was ridicule. Uh, you know, a number of professors and mentors that said this was you know 
horrible path to go down. I would never get a job. You know, be like a red check on my uh, resume, and I'd you know be worthless. Um, but as I got in the community and I, I started you know speaking out, you know, advocating, getting to know medical marijuana patients, advocating for them. I mean, even then it was it was largely closeted. Uh, the only mm-hmm. I was one of the, the early kind of voices, uh, you know, advocating for patients, and, and literally the only places that they would allow me to give seminars where I even talked about the law and talked about patients' rights, medical marijuana patients' rights, were churches and libraries, um, which right. are, 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 of course, free, free speech protected zones, and we're, we're seeing that it's just interesting with immigration, what's going on with churches these days. I mean, there was, there was honestly sort of a refuge where we mm-hmm. would, uh, I would speak at churches, I would speak to patients, it was a place we knew that the DEA wouldn't raid, and, uh, you know, often people would exchange medicine after I was done explaining people's rights and so forth, but we did that because there was great stigma, and I remember right. parking 10 blocks away from those churches and libraries, so I said no one would get my <laughs> license plate, no one would arrest me on the way in, and, you know, it was a, it was a different time. So has the stigma passed? Brian says they're making progress. Even the politicians are getting into the action because they're starting to understand what the voters want. Colorado voters, and it's interesting, you know, we've been polling this issue for years, trying to figure out, you know, when can we actually be successful in legalizing marijuana? And, you know, it was in the 30s and then 40s, and finally now we're, at, you know, five years into legalization. Um, you know, it's almost 60% of our state that thinks it's been a good thing for the state. Right. And that's, that's pretty powerful, right? And, yeah. and so those... Those individual citizens are, are are increasingly contacting legislators and the governor and, and others saying, hey, you know, we really want, we, we appreciate all the tax revenue and all the jobs this has brought into our state. It's also been good for criminal justice issues and less resources going into locking people up for marijuana. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, let's maintain those. And in fact, let's try to be a model for, uh, for the world. And I think, you know, we recently did a fundraiser at, at my office here in Denver for uh, U.S. Congressman Jared Polis, who's a very strong proponent of legalization. And uh, we got 140 hosts of that, you know, business leaders yeah. and others that, uh, which is normally you get a fundraiser, there's like three hosts, you know, and they right. only have a couple hundred bucks and then you try to get, but this was 140. So I really think it was the, probably the largest, you know, single uh, yeah. political fundraiser for a candidate. And he is running for governor of our state. Right, so it's you know to have a champion like that who's his first major fundraiser was at a legalization law firm where it was packed with hundreds of people. I mean, I think that speaks to the fact that this has become a much more you know mainstream, palatable issue. Brian spoke to us about the new administration in D.C. and what he expects to take place. He says it seems crackdown on marijuana isn't their first priority. It's a strange world with Trump. You know he. We tracked his comments very closely. I mean, you know, on the campaign trail, he, he said he would respect states' rights for medical marijuana. He said he'd respect states' rights for legalization. And then he gets into power and he appoints Jeff Sessions, who is just, right. just a prohibitionist dinosaur. I mean, there's right. his, his views are so opposite of, of the majority of the public. He hates marijuana. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems like they have their hands full and they have not been. You know, we've been lobbying pretty heavily trying to get those guys to say, hey, you know, we're going to respect states' rights. We're going to let states... Uh, you know, move forward marijuana legalization, medical marijuana. And so far, we really haven't seen much enforcement. Uh, I think we probably will see some targeted enforcement against, you know, recreational states, um, right. you know, perhaps focusing on, you know, folks that are uh, businesses that are maybe not paying their taxes or breaking right. some law. And, um, but I think medical marijuana is completely in the clear. And I, I largely think that, you know, the train has left the station on legalization, too. I think they're not going to try to put the, put that back into the, into the olden times. 
Brian represents hundreds of companies within the cannabis industry. So in times of uncertainty, what does he tell his clients? We represent really hundreds of, of marijuana businesses across the country, and some some are they're starting to reach out upon the, around the world. And you know they're they're wanting to get politically active. They're also afraid mm-hmm. of the Trump administration. And and our advice to them is pretty simple. You know this is the time to just double down on compliance and be right. the absolute most law-abiding marijuana or medical <laughs> marijuana business you can be. Uh, you know dot all the i's, cross all the t's, follow every law to a t. Yeah. Uh, pay all your taxes, and then you'll know, be a good neighbor, right? You know, continue right. to give, give charitably in the community. And then, you know, we also say, you know, it's time for this is becoming, you know, a billion dollar plus industry in Colorado. It's many multiples of that across the country. Let's throw some of that into lobbying at the state and federal level to, to really treat this like uh, any other business interest. And, and we've seen uh, money flowing into D.C. really on, uh, you know, in, in sort of record numbers for people that yeah. are pushing for, for uh, uh, you know, better marijuana laws, and I think that's smart. That's the way the system works, and you know, if we're going to participate in it, we gotta, we gotta give back. Brian says to forget about the camel ads. We're at a time where we have to be smart about marketing, and specifically to children. I'm a pretty big freedom of speech type guy, but right. at the same time, I'm I really don't want to see marijuana legalization turn into something where Joe Camel is enticing exactly. children yeah. to use marijuana. So, so okay. I do believe that common sense restrictions uh, make sense, and mm-hmm. what we're seeing is pretty much every state that passes marijuana or medical marijuana laws really will have pretty strict limitations on advertising. Uh, you know, so it's not uh, containing cartoons or it's not in, in publications that are geared towards youth, things like that. And then, uh, you know, more and more states are, in fact, uh, prohibiting, you know, gummy bear-infused marijuana. Right. Like the folks may find, um, you know, that the teens may find attractive. So right. I think that's really pretty smart. And, and you know, we, we, uh, we're at a time where this industry could go away if people aren't responsible with how, how they're marketing it. And so I think having some restrictions in place makes sense. Brian was at the forefront of cannabis, so we had to ask him, if he had to do it all over again, what would he do differently? It's yet to be determined you know, how this industry is going to look, which really makes right. it so exciting for myself and my clients that are helping to shape this, this brand new, what it will be a, you know, hundreds and billions of dollar industry. Yeah. Um, I hope that it lands in a place where it, it is a sort of socially, you know, responsible and, and equitable uh, business type. And, and again, we talked about Joe Camel and how do we stay away from that? I also think it's worth thinking long and hard about, you know, the, you know, who can get these licenses, right? I mean, a lot of states mm-hmm. say, oh, we're going to give away, we're going to give away five grow licenses for the state of New York. But by the way, you basically have to have a couple million dollars to apply. Right, right. right. Are, are, are we cutting off employment opportunities and ownership opportunities uh, from folks that maybe have been negatively impacted by war on drugs, or yeah. maybe, <laughs> or just aren't millionaires? Right. So I think it's, it's worth it. And I think California and some other places have taken hard looks at how do they shape laws that really allow all society to benefit instead of sort of you know just the the rich folks. So um, you know that's one of those things I would. I, if I had a time machine, I would have thought more about how to put that into Colorado's law because I think Colorado right. has a template for many other places. Thanks for joining us on TGSP this week. We hope you like the show. Don't forget to go to our website, www.thegreenscenepodcast.com, subscribe to us, and rate our podcast. We'll catch you next week.